Welcome back to Edge of Indie. Hey, we got a great show for you today. Uh, we're welcoming back Brackets for Good and the winner of the Brackets, Neuro Hope. We also have Midtown Indie, a group dedicated to the economic vitality of downtown Indianapolis neighborhoods. All this today on The Edge. Your audio and video source featuring Indianapolis tech trends, marketing industry champions, and business innovation. This is Edge of Indy. Broadcasting from Edge Media Studios. Let's get today's conversation started. Well, welcome back, Indy. Hey, if you haven't come across this show before, we certainly welcome you. We would love for you to check out all the shows that we've been doing. We uh, air this show, Edge of Indy, each and every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. So uh, what we do here on the show, is we focus on local Indianapolis entrepreneurs, innovators, movers, and shakers here in Indianapolis and Indiana. We feature people and organizations that make Indianapolis a great place to work, live, and visit. So we, we champion this mantra often is choose local and choose local often. That's what Edge of Indy is all about. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron Sparks. I'm the CEO of Site Strategics, as well as Edge Media Studios, where we're broadcasting from. And to my right is Brittany Simpson. She's the Director of Marketing Services at Site Strategics. How are you doing, Brittany? Hi. You're, that's a great start. You got through all the words and everything today. Without a bobble. High and, five. Uh, Good job. Thanks so much. Good it, job. Well, I mean, we're, we're drinking here, so well, it's, it's have, always a great, you know, it just loosens everything. I wasn't just tell, kidding. I wasn't going to tell anyone, but since you did. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's bound to happen, right? I mean, the odds are that something's going to happen where a beverage gets popped well, on the edge of it. <laughs> when I think of Wednesdays at 3 p.m., I think a little bit of Chardonnay. <laughs> Now you can't get you can't get away with that on indie style now, can you? <laughs> well, maybe they do. They just we don't know what they do there. <laughs> well, uh, as uncomfortable as this is, let's introduce uh, <laughs> our guests here. We've got a return visitor, Matt Duncan, co-founder and deputy director of Brackets for Good. Sir, how are you doing today? Awesome, I'm doing great. Thank yeah. you guys so I like much your for having us shirt back. Today. Thank you. Well. Brackets for Good brand is very orange, so I'm either a street pylon or <laughs> rocking the brand one way or another. Like can't it. miss you. Can't miss That's you. That's right. Yeah, when you're on the street, I mean, you've <laughs> right. got like safety colors going. Right? I know that we're the only people that has the orange color to stand out, so just, it works. I'm just it, looking for the chuck hole that's actually behind you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I'm in Indianapolis, so you never know. <laughs> my God. Well, uh, to uh, to my left, actually, is the winner of, of this year's Brackets for Good, Chris Liu, founder of NeuroHope. How are you doing? today, sir. I'm doing awesome. So thank you for having me on. You're more than welcome. Welcome to uh, to the studio. Welcome here. to the edge. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, so uh, you're the winner of Brackets for Good. Uh, the Brackets for Good is the is the challenge winner. Chris from New, uh, NeuroHope, tell us a little bit about how the tur- tournament went for you and uh, and uh, give us your experience. As uh, well, More importantly, most importantly, let's understand Brackets for Good again real mm. quick. Matt, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put you on spot, but we'll go back around. You're in a timeout for a second. Okay. <laughs> Hold that I'll call. just sit over here and <laughs> drink my coffee. Think about the question he just asked you for the next time. So Brackets for Good, we're a nonprofit here in Indianapolis, and we host an online fundraising tournament that's mm-hmm. modeled after the college basketball tournament. So instead of college basketball teams and uh, college basketball teams playing basketball, we have nonprofit organizations that are matched up head-to-head to out-fundraise one another where one point equals one dollar. Organizations keep whatever they raise throughout the tournament, and our overall tournament winner receives a cash prize donation from our title sponsor, which this year for the fourth year in a row is Valeo Financial Advisors. So $10,000 in addition to all the funds that NeuroHope raised was um, also contributed to them this year. 
How right. did it, how did it go overall this year? Uh, incredible. Indy raised nearly uh, a little over three quarters of a million dollars. A little shy of that, I'm sorry. Wow. Um, we had an Indiana tournament as well. So all combined, over a million dollars was raised for organizations across the state. So a uh, ton of awareness, a lot of great marketing and promotion from these organizations, kind of highlighting what they do, how they're impacting people's lives, where dollars go that mm-hmm. um, donors are donating back to these organizations. So a uh, ton of fun. Uh, a lot of organizations hopefully received a ton of exposure in addition to those dollars that they raised throughout the tournament. Chris, I want to turn to you for a second. Mm-hmm. I told you ahead of this interview that I was going to do it on you a little bit because your story is awesome. Like <laughs> you have an awesome story. So can you Thank give us you. a little bit of background about you? Tell us a little bit about NeuroHope and then we're going to dive into how you succeeded so much on this tournament because what you did was incredible. I don't know how you did it, but we want to find out how you did it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, so my organization is NeuroHope. We are a rehabilitation clinic for neurologic injury, particularly after insurance has expired because neurologic injury, we're talking spinal cord, brain injury, stroke. Those injuries take an incredible long amount of time of rehab, and in the healthcare system, you know, insurance just gets capped quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so we specialize on, on helping individuals long-term. We have private pay rates. We also have real aggressive therapy. And um, I started it with a physical therapist, we opened uh, three years ago um, because we both saw this giant void in healthcare. Hmm. Um, that's because I am a quadriplegic. Oh, Lord. You look at me, you're, you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I'm a quadriplegic. I still am, have a lot of paralysis on all four limbs. I had a spinal cord injury seven years ago. Um, was initially completely paralyzed from the neck down, totally paralyzed. And every, every spinal cord injury is totally different. But even mine, like there's a spectrum of them. Right. Um, mine was obviously less severe than a lot of other ones, but still, uh, two months after my injury, I could still only move a couple fingers, move a couple, move my foot. I was discharged to a nursing home, still totally paralyzed. I needed a sip and puff wheelchair. I didn't know if I was ever going to get any better. Right. Doctors really didn't know how much I'd get better. Um, six months after my injury, I could stand for a couple seconds, still couldn't use my arms. And I went to a, a, an aggressive rehab clinic all the way in Utah mm-hmm. that really changed my thinking, blew my mind. It had all these different therapy interventions. I was able to go there every day for two years, rehab every day, and relearn every movement. And um, came back here to Indiana, just really determined to try to start something like that here. So um, we've been successful to do that over the last several years. And we just moved into a new gym. Um, we've joined um, the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation Neuro Recovery Network. So we have a lot of really high-tech therapy interventions and we're trying to really just complete the continuum of care after uh, inpatient and outpatient. So that's the spiel on NeuroHope. That's that's my Cliff's Notes version. <laughs> Healthcare here is awesome. Yeah, we're just saying like there needs to be more after you get discharged. And longer, you, yeah, 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 a so. longer option for sure. And, so, yeah. and you're literally demonstrating and providing hope to people that may very well be looking at at their their uh, challenges as always being that same challenge you're actually opening the doors with a heck of a lot of partners to be able to create much better support for them uh and it's not just physical there's so much that's on the mm-hmm. mental side as well oh right? yeah definitely i mean these injuries change your life yeah um physically mentally emotionally in every way i mean i, I mean i still live with my spinal cord injury a lot right so below my neck um i 
don't have any feeling of temperature, texture. Mm-hmm. It feels like my body's asleep. You're not even your pins and needles. That's what I feel like from my neck down. Wow. My left arm is still mostly paralyzed. My shoulder's dislocated permanently. Not a, not a lot of neurologic return came in that shoulder. Right. Every movement I make, I have to think very consciously about. Um, it's just strange. I mean, I still have, um, still have a lot of the issues with with uh, spinal with my spinal cord injury. So it's lifetime maintenance. And that's one of the things we do as well. So. And, and that's where I was going is that making sure that that uh, that people have that not only that hope, but also that support system, because you can feel very isolated and completely cut off from the rest of the world going through what you've gone through. And yeah. to be able to have not only not only the, the, the physical support, but also just the champions to be able to help guide people on a, on a, on a better mental state. Right. I mean, that's yeah. also what you guys provide. We do, yeah, and we've noticed a lot of the patients and clients we have. I mean, it's almost a support system when they come, and they want to be there. Um, a lot of times in rehab, individuals, you know, they complain about it, um, they going through the motions, but no, people mm-hmm. people want to be there. And you, you see families coming out of the woodwork and then helping. And I mean, I owe a lot of it to my family as well. So I mean, even during my personal rehab, I was 28 years old when it happened. Mm-hmm. I was um, on a kayaking trip with two of my best friends, and um, we were at Blues Canoes down in Edinburgh, if you've ever been there by chance. No, not yet. It's an awesome place. Um, we were kayaking down this river. We come across this giant bridge, and we were jumping off this bridge in the water. I climbed up to the top of this bridge. It's like 50 feet up. And I jumped feet first. The water was deep. It wasn't overly dangerous. But someone jumped in right after me and just snapped my neck. It was like a light switch. And um, so, yeah, so the rehab process started. You know, instantly, you think your life's over. Yeah. You literally think your life's over. <laughs> Um, but so my mother and I went to Salt Lake city. She was my caregiver. I couldn't feed myself, you know, mm-hmm. um, for, for two years, almost 17 months. We were there every day. So, and just slowly kind of getting things back. I mean, these injuries just take a long time. So that's what we're seeing. And, and it's pretty awesome seeing some individuals that are in the same situation that I was that were helping. Mm-hmm. And even other individuals that aren't so fortunate in their recovery, just need that long, long-term place to stay active and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, help their health. So. Well, it's it's no wonder that you won the tournament. Your team raised over ninety thousand dollars and did a great job of raising awareness of your own work as well. So, you got to let us know how you did that as an inspiration for other organizations uh, that contribute into brackets for good. Yeah. So I was t- I was telling Matt earlier. So we did this last year's we did this last year as well. We got all the way to the final four. Mm-hmm. And um, philanthropic four. Philanthropic four. <laughs> Thanks the for the correction. There we go. Um, so. So we, and, and we lost, and and we we found, but we couldn't believe we got that far because I mean, we're a tiny charity. I mean, there's there's we have seven seven employees. We just but we do have a big support system. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year we almost didn't do the tournament because it took so much out of us. We loved it. It's not like we didn't. We just didn't have the time. We we're like, well, well, let's take a year off. But so but we moved into a new gym um, with some funding that we received from the state of Indiana, um, and. At the, at the Incrediplex out in Lawrence, a big sports complex. And we said, okay, let's do an open, we want to do an open house showing everyone. And um, Incrediplex got behind it. They're like, why don't we use this as a kickoff for Brackets for Good? So we got all of our, our supporters out and we kind of started taking pledges and we realized that was the key. The key to win this tournament is you have to, you have to really do your work in advance. You have hmm. to go out and get pledges for people. You have to say, you know, you have to try to strategically figure out when you're going to play it. So you raise, you, so, for example, we had coming out of that um, coming out of that 
uh, event, we had like I think fifteen or twenty thousand dollars worth of pledges. Mm-hmm. But I mean, well, when do you use them? I don't. You don't know. You know. <laughs> and luckily, last year we realized like you, you use them strategically, and it, it's set up. It's set up so intensely that every the rounds come to the last second, and you see things pouring in, and um, oh, eventually wow. you can have people kind of queued up saying, "Okay, we have these pledges here. You're going to get on a laptop. You're going to get on a laptop." Um, and you kind of got to be like a general, being like, "All right, all right, all right. You the, you go, you go, you go. Where are they at?" <laughs> Okay, three seconds, you know, and yeah, it's intense. Oh, it's wow. really intense, especially when we got to the last kind of kind of last round. So kind of sound like hackers a little bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah. It was intense. Yeah. So yeah, we, <laughs> we had this giant viewing party for two of our rounds at the Incrediplex. We had we kind of had everyone there, and you know, we had Incrediplex put up with the live tickets. Another thing, the tech that Brackets for Good has, it's awesome. It makes everything so easy. Mm. You, you like you know, people can donate live. There's live tickers that track the donations real time. Makes it intense. Donor, other donors that have donated from other rounds, yep. like like a lot a lot of people they they pledged. So you asked how we raised so much money. So we actually raised eighty thousand. Plus we got the the ten from from uh, Vallejo. Still, and still impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but so so it's like how, how did that happen? Well, some of them came out of the woodwork. Like like a lot of people once they donate in, in earlier rounds, then they get vet invested in it. Yep. And then the next round they're like, oh my gosh, you advanced again. Here's another hundred. Or you know it's like, oh my gosh, we realized you know that uh, you know we pledged a thousand bucks. We played it in round two. But crap! I'm looking at the ticker. You're down. We just we just gave you another thousand. And I'm just like, so next thing you know, um, yeah. So, but so it's all, a lot of work. All, it's all a lot of these, pledges. All, all these all these organizations are really vet, investing in you, and and championing you the entire time. So they're bought in, and they're bought into to what you what you uh, represent. But also, it's the entire excitement, the entire momentum of the brackets, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really gets. It's a way to really get your donors out, and it's a it's an outstanding way to fundraise. Well, so. Matt, I was going to say back to you. That has to be so rewarding to hear from a participant, like a, the winner, what a great experience it is, and just knowing that this keeps working more and more every year. It has to be really rewarding for you to hear, right? Absolutely. But I think you know the rewarding part for for me in hearing this whole story is Chris's story and the work that they're doing in the city and um, impacting other people's lives. Um, for me, I'm kind of a lifelong learner, and I think everyone that's involved with Brackets for Good is interested in what's happening in our community. And uh, I think for us, the ability to learn about these injuries and these situations that happen to people and that there's organizations out there that are providing options for individuals that are affected by one of these neurological injuries or um, spinal cord injuries, like that's incredibly impactful to know that there's someone in your corner here in our own state that can help assist you if something like that happens. And, you know, it is exciting to hear that um, uh, they're kind of looking at fundraising as a game and as a strategy and thinking about it as a sense of urgency and pulling people back and rallying them around the cause. (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, you know, look, there's no hacking the system going on. (laughs) <laughs> Fundraising is really strategically hard. placing strategic. mouse clicks. Exactly. <laughs> See? So how you look at it. Exactly. But fundraising is really hard. And anybody that's Absolutely. in that business understands that it's really challenging to get people behind your mission and to get them to give their hard-earned money to, in support of your cause. And um, anything that we can do to increase that support, yeah. the awareness is huge. I mean, I think it's it's really important. But Um, creating a team around the movement that you are trying to see come to fruition, I hope is really rewarding that you've got people that are now getting excited about Mm -hmm. fundraising and maybe they're not always that excited. Um, They they love the impact, but having something that's kind of intense and edge of your seat in fundraising is pretty new. And that's 
that's exciting to us as well. Gamifying the entire thing gets everybody bought in, and and you've got the rivalry that can really um, take a life of its own. But it's it's no longer the the the, the tough ask. It's, yeah. it, you're setting the entire thing up on its ear and saying, all right, let's just all get around this. And it gives the stage to be able to hear the whys of different organizations in a whole different light. Yeah, and I, th- I think the other thing is every organization needs funds to operate. They need funds to grow. They need, mm-hmm. And growth is you know, in, impacting more individuals uh, across their mission. And um, knowing that there's a sense of urgency, which always doesn't re- happen in fundraising. You know, there could be an event that's coming up or other things like that. But yep. knowing that this is a very time-sensitive campaign, I also think mm-hmm. hopefully helps with those asks and gets people more rallied behind the excitement of what's Good happening pressure. online. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So in what ways can our viewers and listeners help those that you serve, people with traumatic brain and spinal cord injuries? How can our listeners and our, our viewers and our audience post a, uh, a, a fundraising like this, be able to connect with you and, and be able to help? Well, I mean, it's about it's about raising awareness, I suppose. I mean, that's the main thing. Um, everyone sort of assumes that there's no void in the healthcare system because you, know, you, you get hurt. Um, we have amazing healthcare mm-hmm. facilities here, and like when I got hurt, I just assumed that okay, at least uh, I'm in a place where I'm going to get the care I need. Right. And through no fault of the healthcare providers, but that care doesn't. I mean, a couple weeks after your injury, there's nothing there, so everyone just assumes like most people. Then they just go home. And for my situation, they were going to send me home in a power wheelchair. Right. And um, you assume that continuum of care is there. So a lot of it's. Ra- I mean, that's what many people, a lot of people don't understand. So it's raising awareness. It's um. I'm just trying to, I mean, for people that really feel for what we're doing, it's mm-hmm. it's trying to connect to the right individuals that can help grow our mission because a big part of what we do is, is community support. So because, I mean, we so we offset the true cost of therapy. So that means we have to fundraise for, um, for every person we see mm-hmm. um, because we offer really cheap rates. Now, if you go to insurance for outpatient, they'll charge you three or $400 an hour. Yep. And right now we charge $50. Unbelievable. Um, so... Yes. We we fundraise to make up for that cost. So wow. it's raising awareness and anyone that anyone that has been touched by it. I told you it's pretty it. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's an incredible story and, and and I mean you're practicing what you preach. I mean you're you're not only um you not only benefited from that support system, but you're wanting to be able to give back and, and how often do you hear that? Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of when you see these type of organizations, the charitable organizations, people have been touched either individually or by fi- family members, right? Mm-hmm. But you are literally a living inspiration to be able to share with other paraplegics and other people that come have have had spinal cord injuries that there is hope. I mean, I mean, you're right there. So. Congratulations to you on 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 what you're doing with Neuro Hope, and on top of that, just congratulations for practice good and be able to win that and be able to rally a team around that. That's that's fantastic to be able to win. Uh, this is the how many years have we been, do, been doing this? Seven years. Seven years. Yep. And this is the high and this is the highest fundraising this year. Uh, last year we had a national tournament which raised a million dollars in and of itself, but it was we still raised more than than um, we did last year, just minus the national tournament. Roger so that. it was great uh, across the thirteen markets. Nearly three million dollars was raised for charities across wow. the country. Wow! Combining all thirteen tournaments held this year, Breakfast for Good actually raised nearly three million three million dollars in with for six hundred and five charities. Mm-hmm. Oops. Pretty good, Matt. It's pretty good. 
Uh, yeah. We know Indy can do more, right? Yeah, I mean... So I here's your like call to action, Indianapolis. We expect more of you next year. How can we make that happen? Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, more awareness. Obviously, even awareness for the Brackets for Good tournament is good for all organizations that participate. Uh, the other thing that we did in just kind of seeing more organizations step up to the plate, but it's this marrying of the corporate community with the nonprofit community. We o- introduced community teammates uh, last year and then this year opened it up for organizations to kind of go out and solicit a partner on their own. Mm-hmm. But more organizations that get behind these charities and create awareness and get their employees activated and engaged. And engaged doesn't necessarily follow with dollars. It mm-hmm. can just be the awareness of what organizations exist in their backyard. Yeah, a lot of times that actually sometimes is even more powerful because yeah. every every person has a social wake, a tribe of followers, mm-hmm. right? And you can activate your tribe and be able to lift up all these organizations far beyond what they could do themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of individuals out there that have different organizations that they support kind of on an ongoing basis. What I think Brackets for Good provides is an opportunity for someone to engage with a new organization Mm -hmm. um, for not necessarily an ongoing monthly contribution, but to be able to start testing the waters and developing a relationship with a new organization and we want to be an on-ramp to philanthropy, whether that is a first-time ever giver or a first-time giver to those organizations. So uh, 34% of the or, of the donations were from first-time givers. Really? Well, and you so think about it, it increased about percentage a lot too. from last year. You said you've been – it's three years now, right? So this you're, is the second year we've okay, done it. Okay, so you're a relatively new organization. Mm-hmm. So if somebody who usually gives to other organizations wasn't aware of you before this, then things like – you know, challenges like this are great for plugging into new organizations that you might not have been aware of this right. time last year. So, gosh, right. it makes so and, much sense. And it, and it gives you a chance to, to reach out and find corporate help, corporate right. sponsors as well. That was huge for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to give Hensley Legal Group a shout-out because they were one of our corporate sponsors, and they That's were right. awesome. They had a little thing with their internal employees where um, if all their employees would donate a couple dollars every day, they could wear jeans to work. <laughs> And and, an and, and, th- and those things came in like we were looking at it and if you you could see them and, and we, we'd see these like two dollars five dollars two dollars five like just ringing up all day yeah. and I was like Hensley you know what I mean <laughs> those those things add up so um, it was awesome so yeah it doesn't have to be large people. donations no. it's just that group dynamic yeah and and it gives you an excuse to go out there and try to try to reach donors try to reach yeah. it gives it gives so as as a philanthropist when you're trying to raise money you know you get tired of asking people for money and this was a, a good way to find a new way to ask people for money, <laughs> but in, a, in an engaging way and yes. say, like, look, this is what we're doing, and, and it gets them involved, and it's a fun way to do it. You know, several organizations, I was just going to jump in here yeah. real quick, several organizations did an awesome job of highlighting kind of their personality behind their organization, because I think sometimes that's hard mm-hmm. when you're uh, either addressing very serious subject matter, but um, they, they found really creative ways to tell their story, and I think one of the reasons that NeuroHope had a ton of success, and hopefully was a reason that they attracted a lot of new donors was Chris was doing a lot of video, and he was bringing people into the clinic. He was showing the equipment. He was talking about how much it costs to buy that and where your dollars are going and seeing the people affected by these injuries. Um, That just brings it all back home for the donor. So it's it's a great opportunity to learn, and it's awesome work from your promotion throughout the tournament that really kind of helped carry the weight and hopefully added a lot of those new donors and dollars into into their whole contribution. Did they get to wear jeans? 
I assume so because they donated a lot okay, throughout the so day. So we're we, hoping... we saw all those $5, $2 things rack okay, up. Okay, so hopefully they got to wear jeans. Hensley's awesome. Yeah. They're really good. Um, I, I, I get a sense here. We've been, you've been doing it for seven years here. I get the sense that you're going to start teaching charities how to actually activate and really put together briefs and some info, info sessions of how to plug in and get the most out of it. But I guarantee that charities, whenever charities of good, uh, uh, breakfast of good comes around, for good, my Lord. It's all good. It's all, it's good. all good. It's all good, all of them. <laughs> I bet they're really saying, I'm, I'm so glad for this period of time so we can plug into a gamified environment as opposed to continually asking for the fundraising. It's almost like an oasis for, for charities to be able to to have fun as opposed to the constant the constant plug for for more fundraising wouldn't you say and they get into it too that's another thing that I'll mention so it was funny so there a lot of people were were, t- were donating throughout the tournament and every after every round I would my text my phone would just blow up with messages of people that were just following along from home they're like we were like we were following along we saw you know and these are people that they didn't they didn't, may not have even donated that round but like like when we won, we won on the la- on the last on like one of the last donations. It was really close. It was intense. <laughs> like literally, we thought we had like we I thought sure we had lost, and then the last time, and as we were watching it, the tallies it went through, and the whole room erupted. Really got really got my staff involved as well, and it got everyone involved. Um, but yeah, my phone just blew up for people that were following along, and That's they were just cool. like, like, that was intense. And then when they're <laughs> following along and they get it close, what do they do? They add another fifty bucks, and then that just adds adds yep. up. So. I was telling so I was telling um, Matt. So going into the championship round, um, I got a couple pledges from that uh, since we got to the championship that were going to total like twenty five thousand dollars. This is this was in the last this was in the last round. Jeez. Um, and I was like, we might be able to win this with twenty five thousand. I was like, we got a shot to win this. Our opponents ended up having forty thousand oh. in the last round. Wow. But we ended up with forty two. So I was I was anticipating I was anticipating I was anticipating like thirty two with and I was like maybe thirty two will win it and and but again to, to my, why I mentioned that is because all those other random thousands of dollars came in that yeah. that just put you over the was just like where did that seven grand come from but it's like it's a lot of so, jeans yeah it's so, so many pairs of jeans that's people true. are people are watching and they're following along so hey you know what I, I it just dawned on me that uh, this would be great to be able to do a live broadcast and almost do this kind of uh, bracket brackets for good uh, a night of, of you know the finals and uh, be able to bring the studio out and do this type of commentary yeah live. It's crazy, and for us, you know, we're watching all the different markets. So we had eight this year that finished in the Eastern Time Zone, and then it moved over to Central, and then our final one in Mountain Time Zone. So um, a we, long night, huh? Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, th- these are, you know, a lot of fun for us, though. Yeah. You know, at the same time, it's uh, we're learning about these organizations across the country, watching how they fundraise and watching how they're telling their story. It's really. Really exciting and really cool that I think organizations across the country kind of pay attention to the tournament as a whole. Yeah. We kind of have a war room set up and we've got um, we've got analytics going and just knowing where everything's at and we're screaming and cheering too. So it's kind of weird to think of fundraising as maybe a spectator sport, yep. so to speak. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, we I actually uh, went out for dinner one night while the tournament was going on and some uh, organization that w- had participated in the past. Uh, was got eliminated, but they said, "Oh, you know, last night, which which was Friday, like we, our whole family, we had the 
we had the tournament up and we were watching it come down as we were eating dinner. And Aww. to hear those kind of That's things so is nice. just unreal to yeah. know that you, an organization that got eliminated, that raised funds, that had a lot of success still in the tournament, invested. is still invested. And their yeah. whole family is watching it. It's just, it's really cool to hear those stories. And um, yeah, we'd love to. We we kind of hesitated on live streaming yeah, yeah, the yeah. It, the round ends just because we're also confirming a lot of scores coming through sure. and just making sure everything's on the up and up. But uh, we go live on Facebook afterward and try to recap what happened. And we're always just like, I don't know. I, yeah, we got to talk. Maybe yeah. there's maybe there's something. There's we can something do. for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, congratulations again to Neuro Hope, and we certainly wanted to give you a congratulatory yes. drink. And, nice. and we also had Daredevil there as, yeah. uh, on the glass, so that's that's another contributor to Brackle. That's right. Another and I'm drinking wine. <laughs> so. I feel like I need to carbonate this and like spray it around the room. Like, <laughs> don't you dare. Next, okay. next, next visit. This, so wouldn't congrats, be, this wouldn't be good Neuro carbonate. Hope, thank, thank you very much. for good. Cheers. Yes, yeah. cheers. No awkward silence there nope. whatsoever. <laughs> Everyone, I hope you're all drinking At as you home. watch this. Come on. <laughs> all right. So you want to make sure that you get a hold of uh, these two great organizations. For Brackets for Good, go over to bfg.org. Fantastic uh, URL. For Neuro Hope, you want to go over to neurohopewellness.org. We have that on the screen as well. Twitter, Brackets for Good, as well as at Neuro Hope. On Facebook, Brackets for Good. And Neuro Hope, just search one word. You'll be able to find them. Instagram, Brackets for Good. And Neuro Hope. So they both, easy to find. they've yeah. got all the socials right there. <laughs> uh, any final words for our audience regarding uh, you know, your two organizations and, and moving forward and, and to charities that uh, want to get involved this time, this time next year? Well, maybe not this time. A little bit earlier. Well, that would be too late. That would be too so. late. Yeah, uh, register registration's always open at bfg.org. Um, any organization that's new or is looking to improve their kind of footprint uh, digitally, uh, get a better audience, look to test some new marketing initiatives, uh, we'd love to talk to you. Um, we'd love for you to register as well to be considered for the next year's mm -hmm. tournament. Um, and just thanks again for the opportunity to bring our Indianapolis champion on and get some well-deserved attention for this organization that's, you know, having such a big impact. And um, just can't thank you guys enough. Oh, you're more than welcome. More than welcome. Well, uh, you're always welcome back next this time uh, with a, with a, with next year's winner. Sounds and uh, we're certainly going to be championing you all the way through uh, the, the, the competition. So you're doing great work here in Indianapolis. So keep it up. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Coming up, we're going to be talking to uh, our weird and wacky Paul Poteet as he brings us some stories from the edge. Coming up right after this. Well, this was this was Citratedix' uh, uh, investment in in the Indianapolis community. Uh, we wanted to really help NX3 shine. It's a fantastic opportunity to be able to, to bring site strategics and everything that we've been able to grow to be here over the last few years and then plug into the community, be able to, to help, be able to support a, a number of brands that are here. But more importantly, it really, it's a, it's a gathering for our team to really just get out of the office and, and, and just have some fun together. Uh, a lot of times, um, we're working so hard that we don't see uh, a lot of the, uh, the the tech startup community, and this is exactly why we we moved downtown is to be able to have that connection. And this was a great platform to be able to really roll out what we do. The last year was the year of pivot. I mean, we left the south side, knew that we had to be downtown in Indianapolis uh, just because of the technology scene. And on top of that, we we tripled our footprint 
uh, a, a square foot footprint uh, downtown uh, to make room for our, our, our live cast studio, as well as be able to expand into a much larger collaborative space for all our employees. Our role in the tech community is going to uh, take off like a rocket ship. It honestly is, we look to help give lift to so many companies with our digital marketing tactics, as well as our studio to be able to paint the picture, tell the why story of so many of these organizations. We've got a great team of videographers, be able to, uh, you know, uh, podcast technology that is uh, surpassing almost everybody in the country. And I'm really proud of, of this, this convergence of, of skills and technology to help tell a story for all of these other companies. We have organically grown and we are now bringing a great number of really sharp people into our organization because it's time to do that now and with everything that we've been able to invest in from skill sets and technology, we are now really able to uh, tell our own story as well as so many other companies. And it's, it's, it's I got a lot of pride in who is part of this organization now. I'm proud of each and every individual that works uh, for Site Strategics. There's no way I could have ever done this with, without uh, a good deal of blessings and a good deal of really caring people to get us to this degree. And I'm just so excited about what we're about to do. Um, the next couple of years is just gonna be fantastic. So Edge of Indie is a weekly Facebook Live broadcast where we interact with some of Indie's best and brightest, movers and shakers, promote our um, internal brands, so Site Strategics and Edge of Indie itself. Additionally, we wanted to really connect Indianapolis and, and form connections with people we might eventually want to do business with. You know, small mom and pop businesses or restaurants, startup companies, small to medium sized businesses, some of Indie's bigger organizations. You know, there's a lot of good things happening, but a lot of times you're either missing it or you're so tied up in your day-to-day -day that you don't know what's going on. And so this is just a quick and easy way to learn about awesome things going on in our city. Edge of Indy is less than a year old. And within that year, we've had over 155,000 Facebook Live views, um, over a thousand individual show shares and show likes. And then in terms of show downloads of the podcast itself, there have been over um, over 4,000 of those. So what I want to say about Paul Petit is that he brings definitely a new energy to the show. Uh, it's kind of a dad energy. He and Aaron like to like swap the dad jokes and make it like a dad versus dad thing. And then you've got this blonde girl in the middle, this millennial that's just like, oh dad. And it's always nice to have him. He brings a really fun energy and it's always good to know what weather lies ahead. We have a lot of big plans for what lies ahead. We are looking for sponsors. So to get companies in, in, engaged and kind of getting getting their backing and support in the community, maybe one day have more than one show a week. That's something to build towards. Um, we are looking at having like on-site live shows on location other places. So taking it out of the studio, packing it up and going to, to our guests and, and interviewing them there. You should definitely tune in every week because we've got some great guests who really need some support here in uh, Indianapolis. Just fun and a light, easy way to learn about what's going on. Tune in for some great, happy, lively, fun conversations. Real life, real stories. Let's see what's trending in Indianapolis. This is Paul Poteet on The Edge. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, stop. Whoa. Whoa, whoa that was like 3D. Whoa. That was aggressive. <laughs> that was aggressive. It was. All right, I got to stop lifting so often. <laughs> How much coffee do you have right now, Paul? I've had a bunch today. <laughs> is that all you've had?
<laughs> well, that was last night, but it's. I think it's all passed by now, hasn't it? I, we don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, Pastor, uh, come on. Oh, okay. Pass through my system, please. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. I don't know where to go with that. There was so, so too many forks in the road there. I don't know. Hi, Paul. Paul, how are you doing, sir? I'm fine. How are you? I wasn't trying to be too medical there. What's new <laughs> in Edge Media Land? Oh, we're, we're bringing on a few new podcasts, and we're doing some live streams with Produce Moms coming up here soon. That's going to be oh, cool. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're having, having a good time here at the studio. Ah, the studio is always busy, and I'm always busy trying to find you some things from uh, right on the end of, right down here, right on uh, the, uh, it's over we, here, not there. Yeah, not, uh, not <laughs> that's too far over, because that's out of the frame, right. and I'm, I'm a video professional, so I know that, but we did, didn't we have that story the other week, or maybe it was just last week, about the app that makes the, your, uh, turns your uh, smartphone into a, like an Instamatic camera, Yeah. Yeah, sure did. People with too much time on their hands actually uh, wanting to destroy the the, the quality of the camera into into some sort of fuzzy Instagram filter. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. you you take a picture and they make it look like a you know an old Kodak you know cheapy uh, camera, and then you have to wait a few days to see your picture because you're waiting for it to develop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now take that. And move it beyond an app and just apply it to an entire phone. Ladies and gentlemen, story number one, a dumb phone. Okay. okay. <laughs> or as we used to call it in the 90s, a phone. A phone. <laughs> Samsung doesn't want you to give up making calls. That would be a ridiculous business model, wouldn't it? And yeah. I'd like to stop you from watching TV and listening to the radio and going online. <laughs> Samsung does want to give you an option mm-hmm. if like, you want your kids to ignore social media. The yep. tech company has a phone called Galaxy J2 Pro. It's just like one of their high-end smartphones, but it doesn't connect to the internet. I love it. I want to buy four. <laughs> I was going to say, how many kids do you have again? I've got four, and I want to dumb them down. I mean, I want to protect them from the, the, uh, the challenges of the internet. How about that? <laughs> For now, it's only available. Yeah, those are challenges. It's only available in Korea for now and is being sold for the moment at $186, which I would think is yep. much lower than a price for an internet enabled. Does it, doesn't it do anything. Nope, doesn't do uh, It makes calls. It makes phone calls, this phone. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. Let's we'll see if that catches on or not. So, oh, my yeah. gosh. Uh, this is the parents' uh, dream come true. It has a five-inch QHD super blah, 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 blah display. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. I don't even know what that means. Right. Uh, Quad-core processor. I think I have computers in here like that I edit video on that don't even have that, but that's another, that's my problem. A quad-core processor. Right. A gig and a half of RAM and a slot for a micro SD card. Five megapixel front-facing camera. Eight megapixel camera. So you can take picture still and make calls on the phone you just you know you'll have to mm-hmm. wait something with it later on you know transfer it to a computer right so that could free up a lot of worry for parents and for sure. a lot of guys. i for, i, I, I honestly i honestly see this as a, a a huge need for parents that i mean literally if you go to a restaurant and you see a bunch of kids at a restaurant they're not talking. They're at their screens. And they're literally texting each other, not looking up at each other. Because well, so. they're texting each other about you all. <laughs> Look at the old guys <laughs> just pulled in. 
Could you still text for that then? Or? Uh, yeah, they can send messages. They can send messages. You just can't get online. And, and they can use apps that don't require the web to function. Fantastic. What are those? Uh, Flappy Bird. I don't know. Candy Crush. But of course, you'd have to what then? Download them. Eventually, yeah, you, you get them from a, you know you probably tether yourself to a internet connection, and then I actually like it, and I'm in this business. So why in the world would I even be supporting this? <laughs> well, again, the market. I don't know. <laughs> it's for the kids. He's made all the money he needs to make. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> from here on out, yeah, it's for the kids. It's for the kids. From here on, I could see that. I could see a market for that. I'm, I'm definitely with you uh, on that. Well, actually, it says, did you see on the story? It says students and seniors. <laughs> I don't know that I'm ready for that yet, but I, you know, I can see <laughs> like older people who just they're not going to use it. You know, why? If you could get a if you could get a cheaper phone, and you know you're not really going to want the internet on right. your phone. Actually, there's an entire uh, series of phones out there that are called light phones, which is literally they're literally. Ha they have no internet connectivity. It's just a phone application for people that don't want to be distracted when they're jo jogging or working out. I mean, there's it utilizes the same number, so it just kind of piggybacks on the SIM card that you've got. It's basically just a phone. This is the same thing. So you're seeing a pendulum swing uh, because we're so bloody distracted. I mean, there's so much. It's just like a plain old phone. <laughs> I want to go back to the bag phones, right? Oh my gosh! I I loved my bag phone. I felt so glamorous. A what? I, You've never seen a bag phone? No, I oh, think that was the, before it me. It was the first mobile mobile uh, phone, and it came with a battery that was this big. No, this is before my time. No, it's huge, and and I mean, it, you had to sling it over your shoulder, in a bag. It was. It was. If you had it in your car, like uh, I did, usually you'd have like what was it? One thing that was going into the cigarette lighter. Yeah. yeah. Or what I used to call the cigarette lighter. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then one would go into the some, and then that would power oh. up the. Oh, there you go. There's Thank a man. bag phone right there. Thank you, Tom. Huh. Look at that thing. Yeah, oh, the never memories. Never seen that. Oh my gosh, I know. And that was the sleek model too. In my life, bag phones. <laughs> That is so, and there are C, you had to have all these different connections because you needed a battery. Look at that battery. <laughs> for it. Or you could use, there's the, uh, you know, the yeah. uh, little plug that goes into the uh, cigarette lighter. And, and wasn't there like an antenna then you'd have to put also, yep. like it was a suction cup thing. So you'd, you know, you'd moisten the, uh, uh, do one of these. Yeah. Put that, like roll down your window and put that on top of your car. And it worked. It absolutely did. And it was a status symbol at the time. Look at me. I've got a bag. <laughs> I can talk while I'm driving. I mean, that was a huge thing. I've never thing. seen this in my life. <laughs> I'm already distracted and you're not yet. Look at me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, distract us with another story, Paul. Yes. Look how far we've come from the bag phones. <laughs> Come all the way up from the bag. We started at the bag. Now we're here. <laughs> Does it really all matter, though, guys? Because the world is going to end within a week. So I don't know what, what? kind of who cares what kind of phone. I love the uh, stock image that they use. For this. <laughs> <laughs> now, hold on. This is a day after my birthday. Oh, Aaron, I'm so happy and sorry for oh, you. Oh, my Lord. Okay. If the world's going to end, I want it to end a day before I get a year older. I'm saying. Or yeah. on your birthday would be pretty cool, too. I guess so. Oddly enough, oddly enough, my birthday, it was named Earth Day the day I was born. 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 I was born. Jason born. <laughs> That's because they didn't make it to the hospital in time. You were born, like, in the mud? Or uh, <laughs> <laughs> right over there, that ditch. Yeah. <laughs> Just that. 
Yeah, the death planets are going to line up supposedly April 23rd. Conspiracy theorists say that when the sun... Did you say death planets? Death planets. Okay. So-called death planets. All right. Sun, moon, and Jupiter will all be in Virgo. And supposedly, and I forgot to run this faster <laughs> last uh, Saturday night when I was at church, but supposedly that matches up with a verse in Revelations. <laughs> and... So JC is going to use that as the grand re-entry point. <laughs> All righty then. Um, silly you paying your taxes. Exactly. Hopefully, I mean, maybe maybe they can extend it out a little bit further. <laughs> maybe God will be like the IRS. Yeah. Hey, you know what? By a day, By you a get day. an extra day. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's a bright light up above, and yeah, you hear him say. Never mind, we're not ready yet. We don't have all the intakes and all the uh, yep. processing done yet. You all get another day. So what my, would you, my, gosh, my. what I would do with that day. Uh, that would be a heck, of, if you will, a heck of a day. Yeah, Wouldn't um, it? That would, and you'd probably be very scary because... It would be a... Watch the lanes. It would be a good time. <laughs> the Britney Comet. It would be a good time. I would just burn it all up. <laughs> In one day. Wow. <laughs> That's why it's probably best that we don't know. Oh, not to contradict <laughs> this uh, group here, but, you know, in my personal opinion, you might not want to bank on that. You might want to go ahead and pay your damage. You, you know, uh, if that was the day, I would absolutely eat a Trenchla burger. Oh, sickening. Now, look at this. This is story number three. This yeah. is one of the most disgusting things that I've brought to you in some time. For This is apparently Exotic Meat Month, which I did not know. I that. knew that. Oh, no. <laughs> wow, look at that. <laughs> oh. Not, they're, they're not even trying to hide it. The fact that it's, I mean, it's in its form there. This is the Bull City, aptly named Burger and Brewery yeah. in North Carolina. And they do Exotic Meat Month every year for the last six years. This year, tar tarantula. The dish consists of a pasture-raised beef patty, cheese, spicy chili sauce, oh, and an oven-roasted tarantula. With a little bit of chipotle on there. I don't like looking at that. <laughs> Why wouldn't you try and blend it or mix it? Gives you want a little, dice you want a little bit of fur between your teeth. Oh. <laughs> Gag reflux. They are. I have had one once on the palm of my hand for a thing at the Indianapolis Zoo, yep. and it was disgusting. I recall that my hands were actually shaking on the uh, TV because, of course, they you know went in and had a, a close-up of it. And the other thing I remember is it was it was like heavy. Gross. <laughs> Yuck. I got to go. It's a very dense yeah. meat. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, your typical spider on your, it was, it was like, you know, oh, I'm sorry, but I, I, I went out of the shot just about the time I was going <laughs> to. Oh, <laughs> no, Baxter, no. hi. It wasn't quite, you know, Baxter weight, but it was, you know, it was something that you could feel. That's disgusting. On your hand. Oh, it was. But if, <laughs> it, but if you break the legs off, they're, they're really good. It's kind of like lobster. Has anyone ever, you know... You're really <laughs> grossing me out. Yeah, yeah right? It's like, it, well, that's the thing. You, you raise a really good point. I mean, if... I mean, that is disgusting to look at, but if you're an alien and you've never seen or never been told before... Right. People love lobster. Look at that thing mm -hmm. that we're eating. That's right. 
I don't, I don't eat those either. So there we have it. <laughs> Anything that looks like you crack it off and then you, nope, nope, nope. A little bit of calamari? I oh. mean, I'll have it with, uh, you know, like butter. And I don't, uh, you know, I'll have it to the point where you can't taste it. And then it's I think it tastes great. More so. butter than anything else. Yeah. But it's just like <laughs> Same thing with tarantulas. I mean, with, with a, with a yeah. nice, uh, with a nice Cajun spice. I mean, it, it's fantastic. <laughs> I don't believe you would eat it. Did I, I ever tell you about the Madagascar hissing yes, concrete? That's different. That's it, different. That's creamy. It's different. <laughs> what's creamy? The, the Madagascar hissing cockroach that I ate. Oh. There's a YouTube video on Pack 107, Aaron Sparks. You can actually see us in all of our glory that's eating that disgusting. years ago. It that's was a disgusting, but that's not tarantula disgusting. Did it hiss when it got into it your It did. And it was really good going down, but crawling back up, it was... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you really want me to vomit today. <laughs> uh, not really. No. no. We, we don't want that I like in the carpet. I angle on that. Uh, I mean, because that it is true. We're just not used to seeing <laughs> tarantulas, you know. Uh, all the fatty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, tarantula on a, you know, a sesame seed. <laughs> How much hair do you want on, 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 on your Oh, burger? my God. All right. Wow. Those are the stories we found for you this time around. <laughs> on the edge. So with that, um, it, hey, uh, we really appreciate those stories. It's great, great for our audience to be able to have uh, their their midday disrupted like that. Um, what's in the agenda for uh, for our our weather coming up? Because we've been bouncing all over the place. Look at this; it's what? the most boring weather weekend in a month. Good job, Paul. <laughs> you finally did it. I know everyone is excited about that. I mean, we've had, it's either been like last weekend, you know, it was, a, it was still kind of mild on Saturday and then the I'm, world. I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> One more, I'm sorry. I missed it. One more time. I did that thing with my lips. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my God. Let's do this to him all day. <laughs> he can't do it. He just can't do it again. Okay. One time was enough. <laughs> That's what happened to the temperatures last Sunday. Just like that. Wow. So completely boring. For the uh, the Jetsons, when their car would go through space, it was the exact same noise. That that. Now he's really enjoying it. Look at him. <laughs> temperatures uh, last week dived after uh, being mild on Saturday, but it's. Nice and steady this weekend. Uh, close to normal. Mm -hmm. You know, the normal high is like 65 this time of year. So we'll be back to normal next week. But look at that. Friday, Saturday, it's and Sunday. Beautiful. I love it so much. Way through, not as warm as, you know, obviously it should be or could be this time of year. But, you know, above freezing. There's no snow. There's no rain. Uh, well, last Saturday was just sun Sunday. That was I did, nasty. I, you know, did some tax stuff and, uh, you know, cleaning out and organizing stuff last Sunday and that rain all day. I mean, it was, I was thinking this is the perfect day to be doing your taxes. Mm. And we uh, may stay in the actual 60s all next week. So there's some good news. Could too. we consider this the new normal? Like, is this actually going to do this now? <laughs> this is not no my uh in-laws who live up in wisconsin that's where mrs potita is from 20 i forget my brother-in-law had like 22 or some or so inches of snow in green bay yes 
that's the second biggest snow that they've ever had where and they get a lot of snow there but you know even for them that's a lot of snow and it's april yeah the mother-in-law had i think she said 22 inches like it was a lot of snow she just got pummeled so you know i don't you know i doubt that it's the new normal but what a weird (laughs) year this has been but is it going to be spring now are we done I did not see any big cold behind them. I mean, like, you know, nothing, no more snow. Okay. After, we do have a chance of seeing, we're going to get some showers this afternoon and uh, Wednesday evening, if you're watching our initial live stream, and then there may be some snow showers late uh, Wednesday night into early Thursday morning, but maybe that's it. I just want to see another snowflake on on the the seven day. I just like to see your reaction. Why? Because it's other things make me react that way too. Let's not bring snow into <laughs> like it. Like tarantulas. Yes. A tarantula snowflake would be fantastic. I'm crossing like every tarantula, you know, <laughs> limb that I might have. You know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pro spring, pro summer, as you know. I'm anti yep. So that's just me. All right. Well, we thank you so much, Paul, and we certainly want uh, our audience to know where to find you in in all of your different. Uh, 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 consumption patterns <laughs> so, include spiders <laughs> so paulpetit.com you can certainly find him there and in all the different areas that he's he's uh, broadcasting especially on twitter so at paul petit right paul petit uh, one new thing uh, this uh, last couple of weeks is on wfyi if you haven't checked it out yet tuesday evening 7 30 boomer tv cool. the magazine show and maybe someday we'll do exotic foods on there. Although I don't know if <laughs> can the tarantula show up there. No. If we slipped in a little picture of a tarantula, I'm not sure the WFYI would Just be lower lower left hand corner. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, Paul. Well, it's 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 always a pleasure to have you on the show, and uh, we'll be looking at what you're doing out there and uh, talking to you soon. All right. See you guys. All right. Bye. Thanks a lot. Hey. Uh, I wanted to take a brief moment and talk about uh, the title sponsor of the show, Site Strategics. Uh, very proud to be the title sponsor of Edge of Indy. And I uh, wanted to share with its listeners a, 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 a of the show a, a special offer. So we provide digital marketing strategies to our clients regularly. And it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, that we are constantly asked about the question about return on investment for your digital marketing dollars. That's truly what you should be focusing on as an owner of a company, right? So uh, we'd like to discover... For you, your marketing ROI. Why not have a second opinion to check out uh, your investment and and see if it's paying off? So uh, what we provide is a digital marketing ROI report that delivers a comprehensive image of existing performance in the areas of SEO, content, uh, social media, search engine marketing, while allowing the Site Strategics production team full insight in the into the areas of opportunity and growth. So check out over here at this URL, offers.com edgeofindy.com forward slash ROI and just uh, connect with us right there. There's no obligation. Just submit your information so you can learn about your digital ROI. Start a conversation with us and see if that report would be able to help you out. So it's offers.edgeofindy.com forward slash ROI. This is Edge of Indy, showcasing Indianapolis tech trends, marketing industry champions, and business innovation. Broadcasting from Edge Media Studios. Now, let's get back to today's topic. So, uh, so Casey, uh, we got we got you in the house here, Casey of Midtown Indy. You're you're down with eating eating tarantulas, huh? 
We were talking tarantulas at the break. We were uh, they got me all hyped up on coffee and then all cooled down on bourbon. So <laughs> we know how any, to tr- we anything know how to treat sounded our guests. good at that point in time. Well, we take care of our guests here. <laughs> Absolutely. Every guest is treated with so many amenities, including uh, tarantula burgers. So uh, (laughs) we already ate them. That's why they're not. They're gone. (laughs) So Midtown Eddie is a nonprofit community services organization committed to positively impacting the quality of life and the economic vitality of the collective neighborhoods of Midtown Indianapolis. So tell me more about what 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 you find uh, what your fine folks do of, for our city and and where Midtown actually is. So Midtown is well. First off, are we ac- in Midtown right now? We're not in Midtown. Right okay, now. we're just really? south of Midtown. But if you know Broad Ripple, everything up to Thirty Eighth essentially and down my, to Thirty Eighth. My house, hood. So is Broad I, Ripple, uh, you know, gotcha. by by a realtor standard. So I guess gotcha, we gotcha, can be gotcha. south. So Mo, so Midtown. Mm. I don't know. Maybe we can call it that. Uh, this map back here will help, help demonstrate. It's 17, right, Midtown is, is 17 neighborhoods, uh, essentially between Broad Ripple down to Meridian Highland, Meridian Kessler area, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. over to uh, Crown Hill on the uh, west side over by the river, and then over Keystone, Monon, kind of a loose, a loose eastern boundary there. So Midtown isn't so much... Um, defined by the area, it's defined by it's the neighborhoods defined within by more the area. Than scribbles, right? It's exactly right. So we got the scribbles on the top, which is the White River, and the scribbles on the bottom, which is Fall Creek. It's really Creek. defined by spirit. If your spirit exactly. is in Midtown, then that's where Midtown is. And and what? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> you, you got it. <laughs> what just? Ha- I'm so and, mad and I was Aaron, looking at you when you did that. Aaron talked about uh, um, the community service organization, which which whenever it comes to any sort of community development whatsoever. Um, acronyms. Words are important, and there's just tons of acronyms that are used throughout community development, throughout anything, really. Uh, but community development is, is no different or is, is especially different in that, in that regard. Um, and we are a community services organization, which differentiates us from a community development corporation, which we also are, um, because we expand beyond just doing the development of an area. So sure. uh, not just revitalization of an area through through economic means, through rebuilding, through stuff like that, but also through activating, so pushing for uh, rezoning in an area to try oh, to get gotcha. some new initiative um, kind of internally focused. Right. So a lot, of, a lot of redevelopment happens where you have some folks with money coming into an area that does not have money. And those folks oftentimes will redevelop an area and then leave, mm-hmm. which then leaves somewhat of a void for the people that are already there because mm-hmm. um, – Taxes will go up on homes, and whenever you're walking a fine line on what you can afford, when you have a little bit of tax increment or tax in, um, increase on your home, yep. um, you're going to be you're going to be moving out is what ends up happening. So Midtown, a big portion of what we do is to try to educate folks, to try to bring resources to folks from within a neighborhood uh, to keep those people in the neighborhood and updating what they have going on. So gentrification is a word that's used a lot, mm-hmm. thrown around a lot. Uh, gentrification by itself just means redevelopment, essentially. And so it gets a bad rap for seeming like it's people with money coming in, booting mm-hmm. other people out. So we want to gentrify. We want to improve, but we don't want to be booting people out. We want to gentrify in addition to educating and empowering is our is Midtown's biggest goal. So well, we're a connector, sure, an advocate. And you're big on like advocacy and community activation and getting the community involved. And once things are better in those locations, you're really about sustaining it and, and building it from there as well. Like you said, it's not about kicking people out. It's about improving it and then building upon right, that improvement. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So so we kind of provide the glue between organizations um, to get people and organizations together to have a more powerful voice, mm-hmm. whether that voice is being used to 
uh, spur banks to invest, whether mm-hmm. that voice is being used to spur the city to to take action mm-hmm. on a certain area. The city's broad, so the city can only focus its resources on certain areas. Um, so Midtown has to, first off, put itself on the map as a, as a legitimate area that people want to go to and know and can refer to Midtown Indianapolis like they refer to downtown Indianapolis. Um, so a big part of what we do is, is putting us on the map and then drawing attention to the area saying, hey, we need, we need help here because, and mm-hmm. then filling in the blank for people there. For all of our listeners and watchers, I failed to actually introduce you correctly and formally. I just went straight <laughs> into the Tarantula Burger. Uh, Casey Seaton is the Program and Events direct, uh, Coordinator of Midtown Indy, and uh, so I just want to make sure that everybody knew who we were talking to. Um, <laughs> Maybe it, it's better that they don't. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I was just saying Casey because I didn't know where we were going to go here. Well, okay. Because you've been drinking with them now, so, yeah, so we, right. we're all good now. We're um, on a first-name basis, for sure. <laughs> Could be the internal tarantula bite sitting in, too, that, you know. <laughs> So, I mean, community activation, activation is essential, and not many organizations and economic development organizations, to say the like, um, know how to do it very, very well. So give us some insight into how you actually connect and be able to, to not only wrangle the community, but be able to empower them to be able to demonstrate uh, the needs for their neighborhood. Yeah, so we're so we're learning. It's an active learning process at all times, sure. and it's a lot of communication. So it's taking uh, our our local resources, which is other community development corporations, other community service organizations that do it well, mm-hmm. like the John Bonner Center on the east side, finding out what they've done well, mimicking that, and trying to grow upon it. Um, and so what we've done to connect us with places like that is we've taken hold of um, an initiative called Great Places 2020, which there are five great places around the city now. There were three up till about a month ago. Uh, Now we're up to five. And Great Places are just intersections or about a a mile square area where um, there is a need for development. There's a clear need for improvement in that area. And the city has recognized that. And a group called LISC has recognized that. LISC is essentially a bank for impoverished areas that aren't going to get funding hmm. in other ways. Um, and so they are, are the big pusher behind this agenda. And so we are the convener. Midtown Indianapolis is a convener for the Maple Crossing Great Place, which is one of the five great places. And the idea behind a great place is to take community development and isolate it, focus it on one area. And once it's isolated, focused on that area, to have it spread from there. So mm-hmm. kind of a center-out approach. So target the, the toughest part. Um, and then push beyond that or some part where you can there's something to cling on to but it's still an area of need and push beyond that Um, in the past there's been attempts to do kind of corridors where people take a redevelopment corporation will take an area and kind of just spot different buildings that they want to try to redevelop right Um, and that ends up looking more or a larger area and that ends up looking more like a patchwork patchwork and so nobody sees anything significant whereas if you take this great places initiative you have a very focused, centric-looking redevelopment. Mm-hmm. And so in Maple Crossing, you have the corner of 38th and Illinois, which up till a few years ago wouldn't be a hot spot to go to. It still isn't, but we're working on making on changing mm-hmm. that. Uh, we at, at Midtown essentially want to make 38th Midtown Indianapolis as a whole, as an area's main street. And that's tough to do when it's more of a highway at the moment. So it's always been a dividing line, not always, but for mm-hmm. anybody's memory, it's been a dividing line. We want that to be a bridge instead, and we want it to focus on Tarkington Park up there. We want it to focus on the buildings around that area. Sure. No, that's that's an, and it's clear and concise, and 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 it makes perfect sense as opposed to the spot-oiled concepts right. of of. Uh, 
you know, sporadic revitalization. Uh, you're really doing it from from a core 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 area and then spreading out. So your team brings together the people, neighborhood associations, organizations, investors, and funders to make everything happen. Okay. Now you're having conversations with all these individuals independently, but you're also bringing them together to be able to connect. Right. Right. So how, do, how what does that process look like? And how do you do it? How do you do it? <laughs> A lot of it seems just, to be pretty challenging. It is challenging, but a lot of it is just the same as you would do, um, you know, looking at a, a corporate structure where you are just, instead of having the different departments within your corporation, you just have the different neighborhood associations or the different organizations that are involved within your broader, say, midtown area. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially your corporation. So we reach out to different areas that we can target. And we do it just like anybody else would through email, through uh, setting up conferences. We have a big conference that we're setting up this year for mm-hmm. um, uh, convener for uh, different developing companies from around the around the nation. Right. Um, and so a lot of it is just basic communication, but uh, we found that in-face, person-to-person uh, works best, where you can actually passionately show what it is that you're trying to do, develop in that way. Can you talk to us about the concept of placemaking? It's something we've heard on the show before when Indianapolis City Market was here. He talked about it briefly, and that was oh, yeah, months yeah. and months and months ago. But it's something else that you all are doing, too. And I feel like it's popping up more and more often. Yeah. And it's really capitalizing on a community's existing assets, right? It's, right? it's building on what's already there. So tell us a little bit about that. So placemaking is is what the Great Places Initiative is uh, for Maple Crossing for us. So mm-hmm. our, our great our, our placemaking focuses largely around Tarkington Park and making Tarkington Park uh, which is 39th in Illinois, uh, 39th in Illinois, 39th in Meridian, making Tarkington Park a spot where people of all economic backgrounds, colors, ethnicities, whatever demographic you want to name, can show up and have a good time um, and be together and, and mm-hmm. share as a community. So we want that to be the communal hub. That's already a place. Making it involves fundraising and involves convening people, all this sort of stuff. Um, around that, you can't just have a, par- a standalone park and expect that um, that it's going to do anything. <laughs> the people will come. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, people people will come, but it'll just be you know a, a grassy area right. essentially, or or a playground area. This, I mean, this playground is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. I would have paid to, to go to <laughs> this only. place as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I, I, even now, um, <laughs> as a bigger kid, but um, it's taking that side of the street with Tarkington Park and also developing on the other side of the street. So you have a destination, a place make mm-hmm. a place that you're making. Right. That's a spot that people want to go to. So. Uh, featured in our background here is the, the Concord Building, which is on 38th in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And that is a very old building with a lot of infrastructure issues that we have been addressing. The Melody Inn used to be there, too. Yeah, that's The Melody Inn is there. It's just north a little bit. So it's still still there, and it's connected old to a, lot of, ground a lot of cool areas. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Cheatham and Young Barbershop is right there. Yeah. All sorts, just, all sorts of very cool areas. They just painted area. all of this, too, recently, Yeah, right? yeah, okay. exactly. I think I was driving by when that happened, and I was yeah. like, oh, that looks so good. And so in the Concord, you have a very old building, mm-hmm. but it represents the old time of that area. And it's it's something to, to savor that the neighborhood has memories attached to. So Absolutely. we're going to use that as a way to draw people back to that area, to make it a more happening area. Um, it'll take a lot of safety measures on 38th, which we're pushing for. Sure. But uh, we're going to have a neighborhood his- history museum that we have a couple of, of local artists and designers that are working on That's there. That's cool. From within the neighborhood who know the neighborhood and know the people there and can reach out and get the stories and bring them in and represent them in an artful way. Um, we have a discount market called Under the Sun Discount Market that's going to be going in there that addresses the food desert issue that's going on in this area. Mm. We've got a couple other vacant uh, spots in there. So we're trying to uh, – the idea behind buying this building, we are the landlord officially of this building, which is a, a 
new role for for our organization. Oh wow! Um, the idea behind that, and also the old Double Eight building just north of this, which is now Happy Happy Brewing Company, which just opened up. Uh, the idea behind those is to essentially keep it from getting developed in a way that's not going to build community. Not conducive for so, the yeah. role. Yeah. So gas stations are useful, but not in this capacity. And there's plenty across the street sort sure. of thing. So it's to take a an idea and lay it out how people want it from with community input, make that place happen, placemaking. Yeah, based huh. on feedback from the community, right. not just you putting something there it's, that you it's think It's not us is... coming up with an idea that right. sounds good because we saw it in San Francisco or something. Right. No, that uh, makes for sense. instance, there was an initial... Um, representation or diagram of Tarkenton Park that was laid out. It had a dog park as a suggested suggested spot on it. A dog park, and that was eaten up by pun intended by um, by the community because people oh. are having a rough enough time having a spot for them to go safely and enjoy with their family. Right. Dogs are secondary. No offense to dog lovers, but in this in this instance, yep. it made more sense for the people to be the focus. And so you got to really listen on these things and not put in what you think maybe as... Plus, we have a, a lot of good dog, dog parks, parks already. Broad we yeah. have, like, that's a great dog. <laughs> so, I mean, we're it's it's a broad organization. So yeah. a lot of CDCs, a lot of community development corporations address more focused areas. So right, right. our big focus is around the Tarkenton Park, the Maple Crossing Great Place area. But Midtown is the community service organization mm-hmm. representing and convening a much larger area where you've got, like I said, all the way up to Broad Ripple. So we'll be taking part in the, the planning for the uh, revamp of Broad Ripple Park, their master Broad plan Ripple. and stuff like what, that. what, as you would say. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing down signs. Well, you also have an annual uh, uh, event coming up mm-hmm. as well, um, the Midtown Anchor Luncheon. That's actually in late July. Can you kind of unpack that? For yeah. Us? So we'll have we'll have our our Midtown Momentum Luncheon, which is um, going to happen. We're aiming for August second this year. We haven't haven't narrowed down the date yet. Mm, but, okay. Um, we're ahead of ourselves on some things and behind ourselves on some other. But that's what happens when you're wearing you know twelve hats on that's two when shoulders. You have seventy six jobs. That's, that's, that's exactly what right. Yeah. It's tough to explain <laughs> job roles whenever you're like, yeah, it depends on the day. We were hauling signs today. You know, it's like yeah. I was a mover this morning. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, but yeah, we have our, our um, annual momentum luncheon where we get corporate sponsors to come out and and grab a table, uh, donate to have a table. Um, we're going to be out at we're aiming to be out at Newfields, um, formerly IMA, mm-hmm. uh, Indianapolis Museum of Art. Uh, their Deer Zinc Pavilion is where we're aiming to be this year, so we're setting that up. Um, cool. That's a it's a neat event and it's it's our tenth year, so we're gonna we're gonna focus a lot of what we're doing around. Uh, the development of this this neighborhood history museum around our past ten years, what we've done, our next ten years, where we end up be going. Um, so any support in there would be would be fantastic. Like yeah. I said, we're still getting the getting everything together on that. But our other big event um, happens in November every year. This year it's the tenth and eleventh, and that's our um, holiday home tour, Midtown holiday home tour. So that's a, a fun thing where people. So so Midtown's a unique place. We're south of Thirty Eighth and and places over by the fairgrounds. You have some rougher areas that have been neglected for a mm-hmm. lot of years, whether mm-hmm. that be by people, by government, by whatever it is. Um, a lot of factors at play there. That's for, you know, 12 more episodes to cover. Mm. Um, <laughs> but there's also some incredible wealth, some of the wealthiest spots in the state, if not the nation, along Meridian Street and that whole corridor. And so a lot of those, a lot of folks along there live in these houses that have a very storied histories mm-hmm. that have past that people want to brag about, want to talk about, want to explain their, their house. So. Yep. Um, I don't know if take advantage of is the right terminology, but we take advantage of the opportunity. Capitalize and on. We capitalize on go. the opportunity <laughs> that people want to <laughs> do that. There we go. So we have a lot of very helpful people that want to 
um, want to show off these houses for good, and so for the good, um, and so they will donate their their time and their house space and mm-hmm. welcome hundreds, if not thousands, of fifteen hundred, I think, last year guests to buy tickets and walk through their house and just people will doll them up with hmm. decorators and we'll have food and drink vendors. And so. who doesn't like walking through <laughs> nicer houses than you own? Yeah. That's one of my favorite pastimes is going into better homes. So I usually go there. in there and just tip something over as I walk through. So, <laughs> so we'll see you there, but the not Aaron. <laughs> Brittany will be there. Got her checked down. Aaron. I'm just going to be patted well, down. Now we got yeah. Now we need security. So that'll, it actually is going to cost us to not have him there. <laughs> You're on a wanted poster now. I'll take, I'll even, take five bucks not to the, be there. The publicity here. So That's yeah. funny. That's really funny. I would love to hear your perspective on community engagement here in Indianapolis. You're obviously working with an organization that is deeply involved in right. that in that area. Is Indianapolis engaged enough? What more can we do? What's what's your perspective on that? So Indianapolis as a city is very <laughs> engaged, um, and I mean from a government. <laughs> Uh, downtown perspective is very engaged, but like any government, short on funds and short on time, just like any community development organization, short on funds, short on staff, short on time. Um, That being said, there are a lot of organizations that do an incredible job of filling the voids um, that government can't reach. And so, for instance, the mayor has a teen summer work program. I can't think of exactly what the yeah, name it is. Yeah, I know That's exactly what yeah. it is. Yep. It's a fantastic program, and yep. I think they're aiming for, they had 2,000 teens employed wow. last yep. year. They're aiming for 3,000 this year. Yep. Um, kind of in, a, in addition to that, or to fill a void, which is in the Tarkington area, in the Maple Crossing area, uh, south of but- Butler Tarkington, um, on the south edge of Butler Tarkington, is an organization called the MLK Community Center, mm-hmm. Martin Luther King Community Center. And they have a teen summer work program where they are employing kids from within their area, within about a mile circle around them, radius around them, to improve that area. So it's a more hyper-focused version of that um, that citywide program. And so um, you have just tons of instances of stuff like that where where communities and people and organizations are filling voids where need be Mm -hmm. uh, through fantastic initiative. That hyper-focused initiative... we're hearing more and more of that as well. Yeah. And just hyper-local, so, yep. Hyper-local. It just sounds so so native or, or intuitive. Yeah, and you started the show off talking about... That's right. Local, local. And and we're seeing so many, uh, not only companies, brands, organizations, but they're, they're, they're leveraging the, the, the community for their want to be able to improve that. You can't... You can't you can't bust that in. You can't. You can't bring mm-hmm. in and 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 drop in yeah. someone. That, I mean, you can from a funding standpoint, but the pride and ownership of, of re- revitalization for a community right. for them to be able to participate is enormously valuable, right? Yeah. Unless, this idea of this is ours. This is this is that's yeah. right. our thing. That's right. Unless you're in the the suburbs where you can drop off some chain restaurant, right. which I eat at chain restaurants. No offense to suburbs. Live in the suburbs when I lived down in Florida. <laughs> But not, it's not for everybody. No. And so people that live in neighborhoods, in distinguished areas that are named within a city, within a community, feel a pride and ownership of that area. Mm-hmm. And they want to see it improved from their own, um, from the inside out, from their own initiatives, That's from right. what they want to happen in that area to make it feel like a, like a small town essentially encompassed by a city yep. is what people are aiming for nowadays, a village within a city. And so you have places like Broad Ripple that are great beacons for how that's been done yes. well. Mm-hmm. A little shout out to what, Broad Ripple. What? Again. Oh my lord! Eastside <laughs> residents, I got you know I got to do it too. 
Um, and so you you have that pride of ownership, and you it doesn't really work for a company, a corporation, to just come in and say, hey, we're dropping this here. You guys are going to love it. No. Because people aren't going to love it, and they'll go somewhere more it's almost local, an almost in protest. And we'll reject it. Right. <laughs> they will, yeah. because it's not it's not native for the for the environment. Yeah. And, and as much as it may be very well altruistic for the company's right. brand, or maybe not. <laughs> if it doesn't fit with what the neighborhood's jive is, it's yeah. not yeah. going yeah, to work. Uh, yeah. and, and people could actually push away just because you don't, you're not part of our community. I yeah. mean, and so they're... You know, Again, I mean, Indianapolis is a large city, but at the same time, we're made up of a lot of small communities. It's, it's the biggest small town, you better and it's it. even composed of even smaller towns within that city. I mean, it, that's how it got its roots is by combining a whole bunch of small towns. Indianapolis really is a whole bunch of small towns right. just under one government. Um, but it's it's uh, we also focus on, on connecting people or convening people around things that are just tough to wrap your head around, like zoning mm-hmm. and land use and stuff like that. So right. um, we'll, we'll drive initiatives to get organizations together and give them a, a, a rundown from the city on, hey, how do you contribute to seeing our area developed, how we want it developed, how do right. we get it zoned, how we want it zoned for things to develop in these certain ways. We don't know what those things are, but we generally have an idea of what type of industry we want to see here mm-hmm. or something like that, what type of restaurant or whatever it is that we want to see here. And so we also provide the outreach to organizations so they can then spiderweb and spread this information about how do you contribute to making sure the city knows how we want this area to look like? Because right. there is a lot of the city does open a lot of doors to people to contribute what they want the city to look like. It's not it's not all a top down approach. So uh, letting people understand the channels to be able to access that is another big thing that we do. Huge on the education front. Right. I mean, people got to know where they got to go to be able to influence um, government. And a lot of times that and and, and to to wrap up here. Um, it's an onus of every every uh, every individual that's in a neighborhood. They they got to know how to affect policy and how to move things. People collectively have looked at this over the years as something they just they just can't touch. And bureaucracy has right. gotten a hold of it, and and you have some really bad decisions made. Um, oh, not, shots fired! <laughs> <I'm saying. laughs> Point anywhere on the map, and you'll school, find it. Yeah, right you better believe it. <laughs> But I mean, if 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 community gets plugged in, and they know the the channels, that's of the tough part is is letting people understand how do you do something, right? How mm-hmm. do you how do you make a difference? How do you get your voice heard? And our city's done a good job of of letting people do that through online, through in person meetings, through going downtown. So yep. uh, props to them for that. But like I said, short as a resources, time and money. So makes it tough on them, tough on us. But we try to fill the voids where possible for a lot of a lot of seventeen neighborhoods. Any other organizations doing so similar efforts that you're doing here in, in the... Yeah, like I said, the Bonner Center is a right. great one. Uh, right. Down on the southeast side, uh, you have a guy named Jeff Sparks who's who's heading off another one of the great places no down relation. there. No relation. I was going to say relative? <laughs> no. no? Um, you have over... Saeed. <laughs> you have <laughs> oh the Flanner, Flanner Place area over here is doing a great job. Flanner House, right. uh, the Kennedy King neighborhood. Um, you got Inglewood, you got River West. So a lot of the, a lot of the great places, spots have their associated CDCs or community service organizations. But they're not doing what you're doing, right? They're not doing quite the same thing as as, as Midtown. Um, and and that just, not to knock any of them, but it's just the broader perspective of, of reaching um, a different dynamic in terms of uh, of kind of the dualistic economy of north and south of, of 38th and trying to yep. have those benefit each other um, and also the broader geographic area. So there's some differentiating factors and a lot of similar factors, too. What do you think about um, Kimball Musk's new restaurant opening on May on 1st? On 38th there? Yes, yes on 38th. We're, we're, we're pretty pumped, especially that it's got a... Yeah. 
Um, oh, I was I was thinking of no, you're you're talking about on college there. Uh, yeah, next it's door. Like, yeah, next, next door, door American Eatery. Yeah, that looks that place looks awesome. It but does. I was talking it's about beautiful. Um, just south of there on 38th and and Washington, the old uh, the old bank. Yes, that's I've seen that one too. Yes, developed by Neil Brown. Yes, and, yes, um, yes. That's well, that's name? obviously going to be good too. Craigslist guy. Hmm. Can't think of his last name. Craigslist guy. Yeah. Anyway, and your listeners will know who. There's I'm a lot about. of development going on. No, there's <laughs> but they're they're putting they're putting in a Midtown Brasserie, which we are just pumped that it's attaching the Midtown name oh. there to yeah, cement the area a little bit more. Good growth up there. Absolutely. So uh, we want to make sure that our listeners and our watchers uh, and all of our audience knows how to how to get a hold of you and how how to, to help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to on the website. Go to midtownindy.org. and on. Well, can fa- we finish his drink? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he don't want to be rude. He <laughs> said. <laughs> Uh, on Facebook, Midtown Indianapolis Inc. On Twitter, Midtown Indy. Um, any last uh, final words for uh, maybe organizations that are trying to up their game of community connection for for re- revitalization of their uh, neighborhoods? Uh, watch us closely, follow us, and uh, we're going to do the same for you because we want to. There's plenty out there to glean knowledge wise, and we are. Um, we're looking for it. All right. So what about those individuals that live in neighborhoods? Where do they start giving back to their local area? Come to our come to our doors. We'll talk to you any day of the week, 39th and, uh, and or 40th and, and Meridian, essentially. And what is your favorite flavor of tarantula? It's uh, it's got to be the chocolate mocha tarantula, oh, I think. Oh, yeah. vomit mm-hmm. and vomit. There yeah. it is. There it is, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't miss a beat there, Casey. Wow, yeah, Casey, you know. that was great. <laughs> awesome. Be on your toes. <laughs> 4, 4 a.m. wake up, even with NP, ready to go. Well, we, we kind of juice you there, so you're good to go. <laughs> that's right. All right, so that's Casey Seaton, Program and Events Coordinator of Midtown Indy. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. And thanks, thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. And thanks for everybody listening and uh, watching on the stream. Be sure to make to jump in and be able to give your, your responses, your reviews uh, on the show. Let us know what you think about it and also who we should be talking to here in Indianapolis and in Indiana to be able to focus on and be able to lift up because there are a lot of organizations that that need a shout out and uh, need you to be able to connect with them. So this is Aaron uh, and Brittany uh, giving you a, a sign off here from Edge of Indy. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Hey, choose local and choose local often. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.